Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Well, Jim Harshaw, welcome to the show this morning. So happy to have you on. Uh, Likewise. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah. You've got some interesting stuff we're going to talk about today. I would say in the business realm, but also for your personal life as well, because you have an interesting backstory. You were a, a college athlete, and then you've, you're applying some of the stuff that you learned through high performance, uh, you know, basically training into the business world. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, absolutely. That's it. It's, there's, there's certain things in place when you're competing and in, in, in a high level athlete that, that don't exist in the real world unless you really intentionally put those things in place. Right. Yeah. So, and so let's, let's, I guess, let's just start there with your, your background. So you were, what kind of athlete were you and kind of what was your experience of, of that process? And then, and then we can kind of wander down into how you transform that into business principles. Sure. Sure. So I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. I was a small town kid. Dad was a mm-hmm. construction worker. Mom was a secretary, you know, blue collar family. And, mm-hmm. you know, generally success kind of was always for other people. And I never, I was a wrestler and, oh. and even mm-hmm. wrestling my mentality you know, you know, success was for other people, you know, we could, we work really hard, but, but, um, but I was never able to achieve any of my goals. I had this sort of limiting, limiting mindset and, mm-hmm. but I worked hard and, and I was a, I was a good wrestler, not a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a good student, not a great student, but I got recruited to the university of Virginia, which mm-hmm. was the number mm-hmm. one ranked public university in the country academically, mm-hmm. great wrestling program. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was a recruited walk-on. I didn't, I wasn't a scholarship athlete. So I kind of showed up and everybody on the wrestling team was a state champion or a (laughs) three-time state place winner. I was none of those. And uh, everybody UVA, like they're really smart, you know, and and, I was, I was, I had good grades, but I not UVA good. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was, uh, you know, wrestling opened the door for me to, to go there. Mm-hmm. And, and even socially, I mean, it's a fairly affluent school and mm. I was just out of place, you know, and, right. and I was an underperformer. I didn't know if I was capable of even being on the team or even at the school, let alone having any success there. And over the course of the next five years at UVA, I ended up getting an undergraduate degree and a master's degree mm-hmm. from a, a great school. And I became a three-time ACC champion and NCAA Division One All-American in front of 15,000 oh, wow. people at the national championships. And wow. And I so I'd gone from like underperformer to peak performer. Right. And you know, I, I was then ranked on the Olympic ladder on the Olympic level in the United mm-hmm. States as an Olympic hopeful and invited to live and train at the Olympic Training Center. I mean, mm-hmm. complete transformation happened through <laughs> this five years there. And there was right. a lot of success and failure along the way, but there was a big transition that happened there. And and then I'll, I mean, I just just mm-hmm. to to continue the story, like that set me off onto a totally different trajectory than I saw myself going mm-hmm. down in life. I ended up coaching in college, I ended up being the, the becoming the youngest division one head wrestling coach in the country. Mm. Um, I coached for about a decade and then I chose to get out of coaching and start my first mm. business to become an entrepreneur. And I became an entrepreneur and that first business was so much fun and it was successful. And I had 10 employees and I ended up selling that. And I started another company and I raised angel capital and we built a software company and I kind of, I went, you know, all in on this thing. And, and about two years in, I realized that I, everything that I was trying to build, uh, was really crumbling around me. I, I was mm-hmm. trying to build this great business and 
you know, we just weren't getting the momentum we needed to. We had revenue, but not enough to, to pay the mm -hmm. bills at home. And, and so we had debt up to our eyeballs. I had a mm -hmm. failing business. I had a struggling mm -hmm. marriage. I wasn't mm -hmm. spending enough time with my wife. I wasn't spending enough time with my kids. I wasn't, wor I wasn't working out. I was just, I was a mess. I was broken, <laughs> broken at that point. You right. know? And, yeah. and I, you know, as I was shutting down that business, I remember sitting on a couch one night. I was on like, like Craigslist. I guess that's where they used to we used to go to look for jobs you know, <laughs> right right like i was on right. craigslist like scrolling for like past jobs for like paper boys and unpaid internships you know <laughs> i'm like my goodness like how did i get here you know right like, this is right. not where i i thought i'd be further along at this point in my life and mm -hmm. and i closed my computer and I, I walked upstairs and lay down next to my wife she was asleep in bed and 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 i'm just like laying there staring at the ceiling and thinking to myself like like what was in place when i went from underperformer to peak performer like what right. was in place when i right. when i went from like uncertainty to absolute clarity and doing the hard things and being consistent and focused and disciplined to to get to the the elite level the highest level of success and what i did mm -hmm. and i realized there's a framework there was there's this infrastructure in place Mm -hmm. When I was a high level athlete, that that what that, that's not in play. It doesn't exist in the real world unless you intentionally create it. Mm. And and the 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 framework is this. I'll share with you the, the, mm -hmm. the four yeah, steps to it. It's yeah. number one. Success is very clear. It's very you know exactly what success looks like in the real world. Like we don't. It can look like a lot of different things. It can look like you know, any number of Instagram posts, right? <laughs> it can look like, you right. know, what you, what's parked in your neighbor's driveway. It's can mm. looked at, it can look like what your parents think success looks like. Right. But, mm. Mm -hmm. but that wasn't what it was for me. Like what, what success looked like as a wrestler was being on the podium at the national championships in March, like period. Right. It was very clear, like the very right. clear, clear definition of what success looked like. And then those, that success was based upon what I valued, not mm -hmm. upon you know, my parents' values or my coaches' values or my teammates' values. So it was very clear what, what my vision was and what, what I valued. Mm -hmm. And that's the first part. And then the second step, the second piece of the framework is I had goals that aligned with those values in that vision, not goals that aligned with anything else in the world, but those values in that vision. And mm -hmm. in, 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 in the real world, you can't just have that single-minded focus. You have, there's a lot more things pulling at our time and, you know, we're pulling a lot of different directions these days, whether you have family, work, health, wellness, like, you know, aging parents, whatever mm -hmm. else it might be. Mm -hmm. But so we set goals in multiple areas, but, but back then I had goals that aligned with that vision and my values. And then the third part was I had an environment of excellence that I call, I call it the environment of excellence. It's I had a coach who kicked me in the rear end if I needed a kick or, or helped me see my blind spots and pushed me when I needed to be pushed. I, I was around other people who were similar minded. They had similar goals and we were going through this together, the highs and the lows. And, and so that, that's the third piece. And then the fourth and final piece is you have to have a plan to follow through because guess what? Kids get sick, cars break down, global pandemics happen. Like you still have to have a plan to follow through on these goals and oftentimes there's no plan in place you know mm. we get sick or we go on vacation or change draw change jobs or something happens in the economy and we just let go of the goals and kind of settle for less and kind of go back to some default mode so anyway that's this framework and infrastructure mm -hmm. that i i discovered or i looked 
back in my life and I realized it was in place. And I started putting these things back in place in my life and, and it changed everything. I mean, I tripled my income and healed my relationship with my wife and spent more time with my kids and got healthy and fit again. Mm-hmm. And I realized this isn't just a, a gym thing. I thought it was initially. I mm-hmm. thought it was like, this worked for me and that's great. But I looked around at, at, at friends of mine who, you know, one of my friends won an Olympic gold medal. And it's like the same framework is in place in his life. And mm-hmm. friends who have gone into special forces, it's like, mm-hmm. it's the same framework. Like I, I have a podcast called Success Through Failure. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed hundreds of these world-class performers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always the same framework. And so that's, that's my mission in the world now, Matt, is to, to share this with as many people as possible. Well, I love it. I love it. I love that you're very clear, right? With your, with your goal and, and sure your values around that. So, but take me back a little bit. You're laying on the bed, you're staring at the ceiling. Yeah. You have, you have this revelation through uh, contemplation or, or looking back on your life. And then I guess, what did you tactically do? What, what did you I mean? Did you just get up from there and start writing? Did you, did you mm. wake up the next day and say, Hey, I'm going to, you're at a very low point at that point. I'm sure it wasn't the next day you know, sunshine and rainbows and, you know, unicorns, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, it's right. like, you still had a lot of hard work to do. Just like if you're an athlete, you got to, right. especially starting out, right? If you're not in yep. shape, you got a lot of hard work to do. So I guess walk me through a little bit of like, so you had this business that was failing. It went, it, it, you were closing mm-hmm. it down. It was, you know, it sounds like it, there was probably some debt, some liabilities, some contingent stuff that was probably hanging right. on. And that was kind of a software company. So then you kind of left me with a cliffhanger. So, yeah. so, so, so what happened sure. next, Jim? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because yeah. it's easy to skip by that. And like, right. I, I love to hear like, okay, like, like what actually did you do next? Right. I love exactly. So it's yeah. easy to kind of talk at the high level. <laughs> so I, I would love to tell you that I woke up the next morning. I had absolute clarity and, and, right. and this was so easy. And I, and I realized this, I just went to work on this framework and everything turned out great. And, you know, a month later I was back on top and it wasn't, it wasn't, that's not the process. Um, right. So first of all, I wasn't really sure of that, that framework yet. I was kind of like, yeah, that, that really makes sense. I did have all of those things. Right. And, and then I started really doing some research. I started researching peak performance and I started researching goal setting and, you know, looking at the, the Latham and Locke, you know, sort of fundamental goal setting research that was done decades and decades ago, started reading books uh, about other high performers. And, and, you know, I had been really in that world for a long time because I was, I was coaching, I was coaching at the college level. I had trained in, in, in the Olympic training center. So it was around these people. And I'd heard these things before as they related to sport, mm-hmm. but I'm like, does this really apply to the real world? And slowly over the course of about, about a year and a half, mm-hmm. I, I gained confidence that yes, this is actually a, a real thing. And everything, everything that I just laid it out to you is it's all based in research. Like you look at all of this stuff and it's like, you know, you, there, there's bits and pieces of research. Well, there, there's actual like big bodies of research on all of these individual items, mm-hmm. but it's never really been, nobody's ever taken it and put it in this, this exact framework, this format, like vision values, goals that align with those values and in, in that vision. And then we, there's, there's some pieces I didn't share, which are like the micro goals. Like we create micro goals and there's tracking and KPIs and we've heard mm-hmm. of KPIs, but like, have you heard that about goals and creating goals for your life? Not just business KPIs, but KPIs in your life. Like, do you have a structure for, for tracking that, right? Is this being tracked? Is it being managed? Is it being mm-hmm. measured? And then the environment, you know, we, we've all heard, you know, our parents had told us when we were kids, like, you know, 
you got to hang around the right people. It's all about who mm. you spend time with. Mm -hmm. And then there's the quote, you know, we are the average of the five people we spend the most right. time with. And right. that's this environment of excellence. And, mm -hmm. and so all this stuff has been sort of talked about and researched and, but it's never like the, the whole entire framework has never been sort of pieced together like this. And so over the course of about a year and a half, I put this all together, started implementing this into my life and seeing these transformations. And it took me a lot longer than, you know, I can, I can do this with my clients in eight weeks now, you know, but it took me a heck of a lot longer than eight weeks because it was, it was a feeling this out process. And we're, we're, we're always honing this over the last decade. We've been honing this and, and, and improving this, this framework and this process and making it really efficient. So people can just do it, walk through it and, and come out the other side transformed. Right. And mm -hmm. now that's not to say that, that the work is done. It's like, you can't, you know, sign up for a gym right. membership, work out for two months and say, gosh, I'm in shape. Now I can quit my gym membership, but there's this process that we've refined over the years. So, so for me, it, you know, it took about, about a year to 18 months of really putting this framework together, seeing results and going, ah, this makes sense. And I'm seeing it in all these other high performers and world-class performers as well. I gave a, I gave a TEDx talk and that TEDx talk was a, a real catalyst for the business that I'm doing now. The mm -hmm. TEDx talk was titled Why I Teach My Children to Fail. And it was about the, the failures in my wrestling career. And we can go into that mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. as well. But uh, but that that really was the catalyst for speaking more, starting my own podcast and, and taking this coaching program that I was dabbling with and really formalizing it into a curriculum that mm. that has impacted you know, hundreds and hundreds of individual clients, but also, you know, thousands of the audiences I've spoken to, mm -hmm. um, really hundreds of thousands, if you consider the podcast. Right, right, totally. And so, yeah, so your podcast is called Success Through Failure. And thank you for kind of going back and going over that, because I didn't want to, didn't want people to go, oh, okay, so he just right. did these four things. And then the next day, life was grand. No, it's work, right? right. right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, but it's, but it's work that has benefit, right? It's not, yeah, and, and, and to your point, there's almost a science or there is a science to it. It's not uh, random. And it has, and even as I was going through there, I was like, you know, I've done run, run different companies. I'm an entrepreneur. I've started a ton of companies and hope, you know, most of them been successful. Some of them been horrible failures, right? So I've had my mix of both, but you know, you really do want to, you know, hone in on your, your values. That seems like what most companies I've ever interacted with have the biggest time and the biggest struggle is with just defining what are our values? So when you're, and, and so I'm going to skip around here a little bit, but when you're defining these values, you know, you're thinking things like humility, contribution. I mean, are you like literally just that type of value structure or is it something different? So again, I appreciate this question because this is an easy one to like skip over. So a lot of times people go, you know, to a conference or an event right. or something like that. And they say, okay, we're going to, we're going to do a core values exercise. And they get, they hand them, you know, hand somebody, everybody gets handed a sheet of like uh paper with, with like 200 value yep. values on it. it. Right. Yep. And they yep. say, okay, right. everybody circle your top circle, the 20 words that resonate mm -hmm. with you. And you circle 20 and they go, okay, now cross out 10 and you cross out 10. Okay. Cross out five more. And you go, oh, it's really hard. And you cross out five more. Those are your core values. Right. And they go, oh, oh, oh okay. And then you ask the person like an hour later or a day later, what are your core values? They go, ah, I don't know. Let me, let me pull out that sheet again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, right. no, like that's, that's not the deep work that's required to go into, to really discover your core values. Like if you ask any of my clients, if we brought any one of them onto the zoom call right now and said, what are your core values? Every single one of them would be able to tell you right off the top of their head. 
mm. because the way we do it is, is we don't come right at it. We, we come at, if, if, if you come right out and say, Hey, what are your core values? People go, everybody says, starts with integrity. Integrity is number one. Okay. Integrity. Uh, and then, you know, but it's like, nah, let's come at this from different angles. So we will explore through questions like let's map out your ideal life. Mm. Like, you know, take off the guardrails. Don't have any hesitation on just like, what would be just absolutely amazing. And we're not talking about sitting on the beach, sipping my ties all day. We're talking about like, you're a productive member of society. You have your ideal business or job. You're, you're contributing to the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you have your, your family where you live, all this stuff. Like mm -hmm. let's map all of this out. Mm -hmm. And then we say, okay, if a third party were to read this, what would they say are your values? Like if you're talking about oh, right. exercise, if you're talking about your reading every day, if you're talking mm -hmm. about you're spending quality time with family and friends, like now we're starting to go, okay, there's some values here that we're seeing, right? And it, this mm -hmm. is different for everybody. Now mm -hmm. you'll hear a lot of the same words from person to person, but they mean different things. Right, right. And, and so that's one of the ways that we come to it. Another one is we'll say, what if you doubled your income? If your income doubled tomorrow, what would you do with it? Now, people who are already have a bunch of money and they're, 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 they don't really, you know, it doesn't really impact them. It's easy to go, ah, well, you know, money isn't that important to me. You know, maybe I would just, ah, I pay off my parents' house. Uh, maybe I just, you know, donate it to something, some of this, this, this mm -hmm. foundation. It's like, ah, okay. Now we're starting to hear about what, what you really value. Like you're telling mm. me what's important to you here. Mm. And there's some other ways. So, so there's some additional questions that we'll do. We'll walk through this. We'll let them figure out their values. They'll work with me or one of the other coaches and we'll help them extract more because we are an outside third person, an outside party, right, right. reading this with them and going, you know what else I'm hearing here? I'm hearing this. Does that mm -hmm. sound accurate? Yeah. And then so we create this, this, these, this list of values that are really done through through deep work, not circling mm -hmm. words on a page, but actual mm -hmm. like deep work, spending hours on this, mm -hmm. and and then we and then we there's a refining process that we go through. We kind of put them into buckets and categories, and then we take those categories and give them a word, and then we create some kind of memory device, whether it's a mnemonic, like a, an acronym or mm. or something like that, where they can remember it. Mm -hmm. And and once they do that, it is unbelievable like once they crystallize <laughs> this it is this huge epiphany that they have mm -hmm. and and now they can use this as a compass to guide them through the world and, and make decisions the big ones like should i buy that house or quit my job or start that business or get married mm -hmm. or what to like the small decisions like should i eat that donut or what right. you know, should I hit the snooze button like and all the decisions in between now you have a foundation upon which to be consistent and focused and disciplined, a way to live in harmony and make decisions that are in harmony with who you are and how you want to exist in the world. And this exercise cannot, the importance of this cannot be overstated. It is mm -hmm. at my retreat a couple of years ago with my clients, mm -hmm. we did an exercise where um, we stood on one side of a field and, and, and um, I said, okay, take this compass, give them a compass. And um, actually, I'm sorry. First thing we did is we, we, did, we blindfolded them. We said, okay, walk across the field. You, you're going to aim for that tree. See that tree right there? Yep. Okay, great. Put the blindfold on, aim for that tree. And right. they don't, nobody comes anywhere close. To them, right? <laughs> right. We said, okay, let's try this again. Only 
let's blindfold you, but like you can kind of peek under the blindfold looking straight down at a compass and mm -hmm. take a compass heading towards that tree. Okay, I gotta go north, northwest. And you follow that compass despite the, the hill turns to the right or to the left, it goes uphill or downhill. Everybody gets to the far side. Everybody hits their mark on the far side because mm. they're using their compass, not mm -hmm. going by what they feel or what the 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 you know the the tilt of the hill or what the way kind of gravity might be pushing them or pulling them or the, what they might think. It's like no, they're they're going by this compass, and mm -hmm. that's when they hit the mark. And when you live that way, when you go by this compass, when you have these core values and you live by those and you make decisions by those and you align your goals with those, you're going to hit your mark. Mm. Nice. Okay. Well, that's very good clarity. I appreciate that around that. So it's, a, it's not just as to your point, picking some words and the team gets behind them and right. I mean, or right. The, right. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. And then when you do the goals aligned with the values, that would make more sense. Right. So then you're setting probably micro goals as I think you talked about. And then that's right. You know, the larger three-year goals or five-year yep. depending on what you're right. Yeah. And then, the, but then around the environment of excellence. So when we say the environment of excellence, what's, how are you helping, or I guess, what are you recommending for, to help people get in? Cause that's a tough one, right? The, well, mm -hmm. they're all tough, but, but, but the environment of excellence, cause now you're talking about literally being around people that are doing the same thing. You're doing something similar. I mean, what's that look sure. like? Yeah. So there, there are four components of the, the environment of excellence. So I mm -hmm. kind of skimmed over that at a high level. So let me, let me go a little deeper into mm -hmm. the environment of excellence. Um, and, and to help people remember it, you can use the acronym MAPS, M-A-P-S. Mm -hmm. Just like you need a map to, to get from point A to point B, you need to have your maps in place to go from where you're at to where you want to go in your life. So mm -hmm. M stands for media. Like, what is the media that you're allowing into your life? Right. And what's the media you're blocking out of your life? Like, are you are you just scrolling on social media and taking in just whatever? Are you, you know, watching the news all day long? You have that on in right. the background and getting the constant negative, you know, input of news and whatever side you're on politically and whatever cable mm -hmm. news station you choose to listen to. Oh man, that stuff is brutal. It's it's mm -hmm. it's not usually the stuff you need brought into your life. But but being right. very intentional about that and going mm -hmm. back to, you know, the five people you spend the most time with, mm -hmm. if you if you're truly in a situation where you can't get around these people that you want to be around, you can do that now through podcasts and through uh, social gotcha. media, through gotcha. reading books and through YouTube. So that's part of it, right? It's mm -hmm. bringing the media into your life. A is for area. And, and this isn't necessarily related to people. This is a related to like your physical space around you. So for example, when I was wrestling, mm -hmm. I had, I, you know, at my desk, I always had a bottle of water. So I was staying hydrated. I always had healthy food and healthy snacks. I had my goals posted on the wall. I had a big picture of the Olympic champion who I wanted to grow mm -hmm. up to be just like put on mm -hmm. my wall. This was this optimized environment, this optimized space around me. And, mm -hmm. and it, I, 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 do the same thing these days. Like now, I mean, I have, I have a glass of water right next to me. I have a stand-up desk. I'm, stand, I'm standing at right mm -hmm. now talking to you. I'm standing up because I'm feeling more energized and can move mm -hmm. around. Um, I have my goals right here. Literally my micro goals are, are within arm's reach of me right here. Like this is an optimized mm -hmm. physical space for, for performance. Mm -hmm. So that's A. So M-A-P is for people. And, mm -hmm. and I kind of talked about that a little bit. Like you have to have a coach in your life. Like everybody, everybody needs a coach. I don't care who it is. And you know, we've heard 
Oprah Winfrey and Bill Gates and, and Eric Schwartz, the former CEO of Google say like, everybody needs a coach, but so many people are still like, ah, I can do it on my own. I would just read another, read another book or listen to another podcast. It's like, no, you like, you have to have somebody outside of you. Like I have multiple coaches and you talk to highly successful people, which, which is, you know, I, I work with a lot of, you know, Olympic athletes and neurosurgeons mm-hmm. and, and people who are high performers, like mm-hmm. they bring these people into their lives. They, they want this. They're looking mm-hmm. for coaches to bring into their lives to help them see their blind spots and, and help hold them accountable and ask them the hard questions. So, so that's, that's people, right. Being around mm-hmm. people and then having a team. And in my coaching program, we have, you know, dozens of, of amazing high performers. We put them all into these groups and they're having conversations regularly. It's like, it just lifts everybody up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one is speech. So M-A-P-S, media, area, people, speech. And this is your, your talk, your self-talk, like internally, but also mm-hmm. out loud, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you saying? Are you saying to, when you bump to your, into your neighbor, uh, you know, out in the yard, in the driveway, are you saying how, talking about how hard it is or how terrible the weather is? Or are you talking about like, you know, can, can you reframe that as like, you know, yeah, we had this setback at work or, or there's this challenge, but, but really it's going to help us in the long run, or I'm learning so much from this. Like the language that we use, right. When I was wrestling, if I, if I only just only just focused on the negatives and, and how hard it was, and I had to wake up early and I'm sore and I'm injured, like, yes, nobody cares. Like using talking in the, in the positive, in the affirmative and, and not, not to the toxic positivity level, but using the right language with yourself mm. and then, mm-hmm. you know, externally, but also internally. I mean, really you have, you, ha- you, you hear about high like world-class performers doing this, but like, mm-hmm. are you really doing it? Like there's a, I, I interviewed Michael Chandler on my podcast. Mm-hmm. He's a UFC, uh, one of the top fighters in the world. This guy, he, he, the one quote he said was, he said, I move forward. I attack, I approach my goals with complete disregard for past failures. Mm-hmm. And he does this through using the right language. He intentionally uses the right words and the right language with himself. Mm-hmm. It sounds weird. There's a guy, I'll go back to my, my world again of wrestling. Um, there's a guy named Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake showed up at, at he, he wrestled at Cornell University. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pretty good coming out of high school. Uh, nobody would have ever said he could be a national champion as a freshman, but mm-hmm. still very good. Mm-hmm. His mom handed him a journal whenever they dropped him off in, in at college his freshman year. And she said, write your goals down here. So he took it out to heart. He wrote down his goal that morning, every morning and every night. He wrote down his goal. He said, Kyle Dake, 141-pound, 2009 NCAA Division I national champion. And he right. wrote down every morning and every night. <laughs> right. Guess what? That night, I mean, that year, he won the freaking national championship. Wow. The next year, he bumped up a weight class, which is a mm. hard thing to do in the sport of right. wrestling or fighting right. or something like that. He bumped up a weight class and wrote down his goal twice in the morning, twice at night. And then he won his second national championship. Whoa. Next year, bumped up a third weight class, wrote his goals down three times in the morning, three times at night, won his third title. Senior year, he bumped up to wrestle the returning two-time national champion. He decided, I want to keep going. I'm going to bump up another weight class. I'm going to wrestle the best guy. I want, I want the wow. best. Right. And he, and he, wrote his goals down four times in the morning, four times at night, made history, first ever four-time national champion in the sport of wrestling to win a title at four different weight class. I mean, just, wow. and yeah. he's now a world champion. He's one of the, he's the best in the world at what he does. Right. But listen, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Bizarre. Who right. does that? 
Well, guess right. what? World 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 class class performers, <laughs> yeah. performers, performers do that kind of thing. So yeah, so right. that's the environment of excellence. Oh, very cool. Very, Media very cool. area people speech. Yeah, very, very cool. Appreciate that. And I appreciate the clarity around those things. Cause yes, on their on their surface, it sounds not so uh in-depth, I guess sure. you would say, right? Um yeah. and, and then, uh, and then, so you've named your podcast success through failure. So obviously you're using, you know, failure as a catalyst for the conversation around, and I've heard you, I think on, on speeches and stuff talk about, I mean, failure isn't a bad thing if you're framing it correctly, right? If you let it define you, that's one thing, right? right? So, yeah. so let's, let's dive into that. So, so success through failure, what's that mean to you? Yeah. So you know, you teach what you need to hear, I think, you know, and, and when, uh, when I gave that TEDx talk, I was like, gosh, like I really, you know, I, I was able to do that as an athlete. I was able to frame failure as, as a learning, a learning tool. And, and that's just, again, inherently part of athletics. Like you're sitting down watching film with your coach mm-hmm. and you're going, okay, see where you made that mistake. And you see how you failed. Like, we're good. Now you're better from it because this guy was attacking your right leg because you were reaching with your right arm and like, okay, you mm. got to keep your elbow down. Like I, I'm now better for mm. having experienced that failure. I'm now better because I lost and, and in a weakness, a mistake was exposed. And now I'm, I'm wiser, more experienced, more knowledgeable and, and a better, better athlete. We see that in sports because mm-hmm. it's played out in front of us and we kind of know this, but it's like, internally, like when you, when you fail at business, mm-hmm. when you fail at a relationship, when you fail at trying to, to get off the couch and run a 5k, I mean, whatever it is for you and your world and your life, like when we fail, we feel like we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not capable enough. We're not, this, this is just not in the cards for me. I'm not wired for success because look, here's proof failure. Right. It's like, no, like, there, there's, there's, there's value when you, like you said, reframe it that when you reframe it as, as a stepping stone as a path on the path to success, then you can learn from it and you can, you can, you know, go back to speech. You can speak positively about this and, and, and be better for it. So when you're, when you're watching film, you're watching the failure, you can get stuck there. You can mm-hmm. go, wow, this is actually more proof that I'm, I'm no good, but like, you have to make sure you're framing it the right way. And there was a, um, a Hall of Fame baseball player. I want to say it was Wade Boggs. He would, after his after his at bats and after games, he would have their film people uh, create two tapes for him. This is back in the VHS days, and yeah. one was of his failures, and he would watch mm-hmm. his failures. He'd watch every time, you know, the bad swings, the misses, the strikes, the strikeouts, etc. And and he would watch those, and he would throw it away, and then he would watch all the the good ones, all the good mm-hmm. the hits, and etc. And so he would make sure he's watching the positive too, Mm -hmm. but failure is just a part of success. And we Mm -hmm. are wiser, smarter, more capable because of it, not despite it. But listen, I don't want to be that guy who says like, oh, failure. Like you should just smile after you fail. Oh, it sucks. (laughs) It hurts. It's it's painful. It's embarrassing. It's humbling. It's humiliating. It creates self-doubt. Like all that stuff. Like I get it. I get it. Like, Mm It's it's the world class performers. They they experience those things too, right? But they have mechanisms for overcoming that. They can change their language. I've heard uh, against my in my my world of wrestling. There's a guy who he was an Olympic champion, a guy named Kyle Snyder, and then the following year he lost at the World Championships, and in the finals 
and he came off the mat and he was talking about the loss. Mm-hmm. And it was the same guy he beat for the Olympic gold medal the year before. Now he mm-hmm. lost to this guy from Russia. And the language that he was using was like eye-opening. He's like talking about how he's going to be better for this. And this was not going to crush him. And, de- you know, everybody else would be devastated about this. But he's like, this is just a sport. I can learn from this. I'm going to grow from this. And like, I'm like, wow, like, like mm-hmm. that's a champion. So for the listener, like, think about your most recent loss. Maybe you applied for that job, but you didn't get it or the promotion or you tried to start a business or whatever that was, right? Mm-hmm. You, maybe you just tried to have a hard conversation with your spouse and you failed. Can you use that language, the language of a champion? Can you use the language that world-class performers use to reframe that failure as an opportunity to grow from it and be successful? Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. And I think that gets missed by a lot of newer, maybe people that have never been an entrepreneur or people that are newer to business, owning their own business. I think there's a misnomer that you have to do it yourself because that that's the hardest way you can possibly do anything by yourself. But then to this thing that, 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 that failure is bad. And, and most of the super high functioning people that I know, super high business in the business world, the super mm-hmm. high functioning business people I know have had some pretty significant failures. Oh yeah. Some, right. Right? That's, right. I mean, some of the most, in fact, I would say the most successful people that we would think even in the media or see, I remember, you know, last year, the year before hearing the story of Elon Musk and where he had, he was calling the CEO of, of Microsoft or not Microsoft, of Apple to see if they would buy Tesla because Tesla was going broke, right? This is a mm-hmm. decade ago or whatever it was, right? Yeah. And, and, and he never, and, and uh, is it Cook? I think it's Tim Cook, C- yeah. Tim Cook never returned his call, right? Hmm. And so he just had to figure it out. So, so, and, but, so there was a failure there, but that was before Tesla was really known as Tesla, right? And, sure. and so nobody really heard about it. Nobody cared. It was just an electric car company. And no, m- most people had never heard of the word Tesla back when it right. was, right? And, and so, and, and now there's he's a great the richest, book. Like uh, now he's the richest man in the world, right? So, yeah. 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 Sorry to interrupt. Like there, no, there's a great it. book. Uh, it was written in like 2015, which in oh, mm-hmm. Elon Musk years is like, you know, ages ago. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, love him or hate him because he's become right. very controversial lately, yeah, but yeah. love him or hate him. The guy is changing the world and, and the mm-hmm. guy thinks it's such a huge level, but that book is, oh my goodness, Matt, like it, like he, Elon Musk is absolutely 100% the biggest, greatest failure that I've ever heard of or, or read about or learned about. The amount of failure that that guy has experienced in, in all of his companies is astronomical. I mean, we think about you know Tesla and how many times they almost went under and right. all the mistakes they made and how much money they thought they were going to invest and create the battery and then uh, how many you know 10x's of that they actually had to invest and how many more years <laughs> it took to in, you know and to build the rockets and all right. that for SpaceX like so many like like not like little failures but but huge, huge failures and crashed rockets and millions and multi <laughs> you know hundreds of millions of dollars just flushed down the drain and um, but that's. That's been his catalyst for success. He, he moves through it, learns from it, and goes through it. Right. And, and I think that's, yeah, that's a, obviously a great example of something because every, you know, that that's a very exaggerated example of what sure. can happen, good and bad, right? Good and bad. And, and, and so, yeah, it's the, the failures in life only define us if we allow them to define us. And by yeah. define us, I mean in a negative way. I think failure can also define, you know, give us context and give us a perspective and, and give us fuel. You know, I think also, you know, I, you know, we've, I've interviewed hundreds of people on this podcast and, you know, typically what I've found if we dive deeper is whatever that person's ultimate 
that early, those early pain, that early pain, emotional, psychological, sometimes physical, but whatever the early pain or trauma in somebody's life, the, the people that basically are able to come on shows like this and talk and want to do good for the world because they use that pain. They use that, they use that, that hurt as a catalyst for fuel. And then they fuel the rocket ship, right? They event, yeah. And it's not, and it, and it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it takes decades, but they use that as a way to reach out and help others, right? They, Cause they know what it was like to uh, suffer in that way or to fail in that way. And they don't want to see others fail in that way. And so once they've overcome or transcended that failure, then it's like, I want to tell it, I want to write a book. I want to do a podcast, right? I want to do talks and I want to, we want to help the world. Right. So yeah. failure, right. I think the difference, I think the difference and feel free to, to chime in here, but I think, you know, the difference between somebody we would see and say they're a success or somebody that we would say they're not doing anything with their life. It's how they defined themselves post that trauma or even in the midst of the trauma, it's how the, it's the stories they told themselves. It's the definition. It's the beliefs, the limiting beliefs, or the empowering beliefs that that they've yeah. wrapped around that thing. Right. I had a conversation with Tim Ferriss. I uh, uh -huh. interviewed him on my podcast, and one of the things he said that really resonated with me is there are plenty of people who go through their lives, entire lives, as failures, mm -hmm. and so it's it's really you know what you're talking about is the learning that happens from failure, like mm -hmm. how you frame it and how you, you know, if you learn from it, and that doesn't happen by failing and then just waking up tomorrow and continuing on your merry way. It's, right. it's, it's the learning. And, and I want to share a concept that I've, mm -hmm. I've learned over the years from, from not only my experience, but putting this together with the experiences of these amazing individuals. who I get to talk to on my mm -hmm. podcast mm -hmm. and, and work with and coach. I would always ask my guests, tell me, you know, what is the one habit that you most credit for your success? Mm -hmm. And for the New York Times bestselling author, you would think it would be some kind of writing habit or for the Olympic gold medalist, you think it would be some kind of training routine or something like that. Right. But it was never the thing that they were known for. Right. Interestingly, it was yeah. always some version of like journaling or working with a coach or planning their day in advance, kind of like journaling it, writing it in a notebook and kind of, you know, how do I win the day or, or reviewing their, their week at the end of the week or some kind of annual sort of thinking session that they would mm -hmm. do. And so I realized it was never doing the thing. It was always some kind of version of stepping, stepping off of the treadmill of life, getting out of the rat race, mm -hmm. asking questions, finding clarity, and stepping back in. And so mm. I coined the term productive pause. Mm -hmm. And a productive pause is defined as this. It's a short period of focused reflection around specific mm. questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. That's what we all want in the end. We all want mm -hmm. clarity of action. Tell me exactly what I need to do. I want to know exactly what I should be doing. And peace of mind, knowing I'm on the right path. I'm doing the things that I should be doing. And when you do that, it's really, it's, it's easier said than done. Like actually stepping back, hitting the pause button, asking hard questions. Usually this is done, best done with what they coach or somebody outside of you. They can give you, know, you perspective, like, right? Give you perspective, right? And ask you those hard questions and force you to stop and get off the treadmill of life. And, and so that go back, goes back to, you know, what we were talking about around, the learning that comes from failure. Like there are plenty of people who, who never learn from it, but that is how you learn from it. You, when you, you know, in the military, they call it an after action review, right? right? Okay. You're right. back from a mission. 
what went well, what did not go well, what are we going to do differently next time? Mm-hmm. That productive pause helps you learn from not only the failures, but also the successes in that instance. Yeah, it's completely, completely agree. Well, thank you for your time today. This has been uh, very helpful for me. And I know for the listeners of the show, I really appreciate it. For more, you know, great stuff from Jim, Success Through Failure podcast is where most people can connect. And then you also, uh, you know, your reveal your path and your productive pause um, information is on your website, which is just your name.com, right? It's Jim Harshaw Jr. 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 com, right? That's right. Yeah, well, so certainly thank you for coming on. And as uh, you know, if you'd like to come back on at any time in the show, just let us know and we'll talk about new stuff. I'm sure I'm yeah. sure we've uh, we've got a small fraction of the stories that we could have. <laughs> that we could so, have much more, so much more ground so, to cover. So much more. Where are, you, where are you actually physically located? Charlottesville, Virginia. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, oh, came yeah. to Charlottesville to, to go to University of Virginia and tried leaving a couple of times. This place just has a gravity. We love it here. It's a, it's a great town. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much today. And uh, thank you for the work you're doing and, and uh, God bless and on your continued uh, journey in that work. So thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. All right. Have a good one. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, V-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening.